Welcome back to episode 46 of the Hockey House Podcast presented by Selly Hockey Co., where we cover all the latest news in non-NCAA college hockey here in the United States. I'm your host, Mackenzie Murphy, joined alongside by our executive producer, David Herman. Herm, how was your Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving was wonderful. Feels weird to be up first, by the way. I know we're missing some healthy scratches tonight with Fitz and Glick. Family setup means that I have a double Thanksgiving, and we had my dad's side first and then over to my mom's. It was wonderful to have Alex come down from Detroit. Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays of the year. Greatly enjoy seeing everyone. How about you, Murph? Mine was good. Mine was interesting for the second year in a row. We had a family member in quarantine during Thanksgiving, so it sounds weird, but it's like it seems like it's the new normal. Now, like this year when my dad was in quarantine and uh, we were celebrating Thanksgiving, it was like, this is weird, but it's not that weird because we did this last year when my younger brother was in quarantine. Normally we host, we have about 30 people at our house. For those of you who don't know, I'm one of seven siblings, so we're always the hosts for the events. Because uh, we've got the biggest house. And so we roughly have 25 to 30 every year, but smaller this year because of, like I said, the quarantine issue. And we actually went down to my cousins. Uh, they live about 40 minutes south. We went to their place, did a dinner. It, w- it was a good time. And then uh, my dad got out of quarantine the next day. Big birthday dinner for my grandfather. He turned 80 and he is an avid listener of the hockey house. I think he's honestly, he's probably our oldest listener. Shout out to Bob Murphy for all his support of the hockey house. We were able to celebrate his 80th birthday in style the other night. But Herb Circle. Back, it's one of my favorite weeks of the year. It didn't really get to happen last year because of his, his peak COVID. Coming home from college, we had a weekend series against Westchester. We did Saturday, Sunday, got all the guys together, hung out, had ourselves a good time on Sunday night, drove back to New Hampshire on Monday morning. And then it, it is like event after event. You got the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. It was my first time being home since I turned 21. So I got to go to the bar see all my high school friends, say hi. It was really weird. Hadn't seen a lot of them in a long time. Then you have Thanksgiving, birthday party, and then Saturday is the spectacle, the Kennett High School Hockey Alumni Game, which is a a tournament, actually, and I... For the second year in a row, I was fortunate enough to be a captain. Back-to-back titles for Team Murphy in the Kennett Hockey Alumni game. So I'm looking for the three-peat next year. But that, it's just a blast. I think the week, it's one of my favorite weeks of the year. It goes by way too quickly. It develops into one of the worst days of the year, I think, is that Monday you get back to school after Thanksgiving. And you go to all your classes. And it is like, oh, hey, remember me? All your finals that you have to get ready for? Bam, right in your face. And it's just like the the flip of a switch. You drive back on Sunday. I mean, some guys are flying back in. And then it's that Monday. You just go from having a week of like no worries at all, hanging out with family. And then you get back to campus and it's like, oh, shoot, all of this stuff is due. This is the most stressful time of the year. Hoping to get through it now. I don't know if you can relate in your time in Ohio. What is That transition is, is hard. I'm not even going to go for my time in Ohio with it. I'm going to go into the working world. Like You are smack dab towards the end of Q4, and especially in sales. Everyone's away from their office when it comes to the holiday season. It is a stressful, stressful time of year when no one starts picking up the phones. So believe me, you get off and you're like, oh my goodness, you got these two days, you got the long weekend this year. You get back on Monday and you're like, oh my God, what am I going to do now? So fully know exactly what you mean. The good news was we got back on the ice as a team and had a good skate today. I know there's been a lot of chatter in the, the Hockey House All-Star group chat that we have going about like apparel, equipment, and jerseys are just like, nobody knows where they are. And and every team is different. Like our jerseys were supposed to arrive for the first game of the season. We didn't end up getting them until a month into the season. And so awesome today at the end of practice, coach is like, oh yeah, by the way, all the apparel is in. We got guys going nuts. I mean, the freshmen have been wearing like bookstore apparel for the last couple of weeks. I know we've played some other teams and you can clearly tell that their apparel order hasn't come in. So I'm fully prepared to wear my apparel for the rest of the week around campus. For those of you who know me, but I I wear my Bridgeton Academy hockey sweatpants like every other day. Like I wash them every time, but they are so comfortable. And now I've got a pair of uh, Cuse hockey joggers. So I'm pumped about that because I'm a big fan of the joggers. You know, the like they have like the wind pants that come with the track suits. Nobody wears those out, but I'm going to wear these joggers all the time. So I'm psyched. Also good news is our, our Selly hockey hat order came in and so all the guys are so pumped about that too it's like the perfect hat you know we did the throwback snapback style i'm sure all the guys will be wearing it for warm-ups and tailgating around campus so everyone's fired up about that is that 
Uniwatch's favorite logo that I see on the hat? Yeah, it's uh, it's Ostrom the Orange. Uh, he was short-lived. R.I.P. to Ostrom the Orange. He was Otto the Orange's cousin. I mean, maybe had a, a tough background that we don't have to address, but it was, it was during the days of when we weren't sure if we were going to be able to use the Block S again, so we drafted something up, and it makes it really easy when you, you got to order it because we own the logo now, so it was easy to throw together a hat order, but especially teams like NC State or, or South Carolina with their custom logos, they should hop on the train of the Selly hockey hat orders because these hats are really comfortable it's so easy you, you just need a minimum order of 48 hats you can do two different designs so we did cues so we had 24 navy 24 white uh i want to say we ordered them in september came in in november so not a bad turnaround considering the the, the climate we're in right now super psyched everyone's got apparel everyone's got hats things are looking up looking forward to this weekend's games but herm i know we, we haven't talked in a while you had quite the extravaganza to chicago last time we talked want to tell us about that yeah made the flight from westchester county airport to o'hare was able to stay at the wonderful hotel recommendation that friend of the podcast joey caprio gave to me he and nick fabrini were some of the most accommodating individuals when it came to the tournament just welcomed me in gave me all of the access and free reign in the world. All of the coaches that I spoke to were wonderful about that. Letting me shoot from the bench, all the guys knew immediately when I when I hopped on the bench. It went from just being another random photographer to they knew what the hockey house was. And just as someone who's seen this brand grow, it was a really, really cool feeling to have that sort of respect around the ACHA. And then also was able to squeeze a surprise visit into Bensonville, which is about half an hour away on a good day and then 45 in Chicago traffic at like 5.30 p.m. to see the first game of the Ohio Roosevelt series. And that was my first Bobcat game live, I think, since that CSCHL Illinois game, which is nuts to think about that it's been that long. But that was a, a really good time to just like surprise all the guys. Like I stayed in the, the, the lobby area during warmups and didn't really announce my presence or anything like that and just popped up on the bench and the guys all came over it was it was a really good time very very special yeah that's funny you say it. it's it feels like a long time since that illinois game it feels like a long time since we talked about it on the podcast when we had jake on like you said joe caprio i i mean he's been nothing but inviting every time he does i mean he's also the one coordinating the jog prospect showcase that's also in the same arena and when they did that, I mean, they had a hockey house team in the tournament. Uh, they invited all of us to go out. And unfortunately, it didn't work out because that was during finals week for me here at Cuse. But same thing this time around. He, he asked if we could promote it. And he said, I'd love to have you guys out. I was playing, but Herm, you know, jumped on it because I, Herm, I believe you also got to see your brother play, correct? Yeah, so the way that it worked out was that after UNLV beat Liberty for the championship, which... Huge congrats to the Rebels, and we'll double back to that in a second. I was able to stick around because the Detroit Fighting Irish had a game against the Chicago Cougars at Fifth Third Arena that same day. So I stayed the extra night so that I could photograph them. And all of the DFI boys were really, really excited because I had made the trip out to Detroit to photograph them. They had seen the photos, and they were like, holy shit, Herm's coming back to shoot us again. This is a massive deal. And it was big for them because I shot them in the white jerseys. Now they had the black jerseys to post on Instagram. Everyone was happy about that. And so now we can kind of dive into it a little bit here, but talk about like, I know junior hockey, it's really weird because, you know, there's no team photographers and juniors rarely. I know you got to follow your brother around for the Chiefs last year for a bit, but kind of talk about the importance of understanding because I think a lot of these teams at the tournament don't really have solid team photographers either. So I know that your work was greatly appreciated, but kind of talk about what goes into editing all those photos and why you're so stingy about how they get used. Yeah, so I'm a little heavy on the shutter button, so in one game, I might be going through anywhere on the low end of 1,500 to 2,500 images. Going through, rating those images, then I kind of go a step beyond and wind up cropping all of the images. Some photographers will level their images, like they'll, they'll pick their winners, go through, and then just throw them up there in an untouched setting. I am very, very much a perfectionist about it because I have found previously that when I post things kind of untouched, guys won't necessarily take the initiative to crop it in the way that I would like to see it. So I just go ahead and spend the extra time to make sure that the finished product is as good as possible. It's photographing, it's culling, 
it's an editing and then it's a cropping per game and we're talking about thousands and thousands of images that i'm going through to try and make these guys look as good as possible yeah i, I know like i mean my freshman year we had jim, shout out to jim parker he was our goalie eric parker's dad taking photos but it was like he would take the photos and then like a week and a half later we would get like a link and we could go look at the photos and there'd probably be like upwards of 80 to 100 pictures per game but i mean now we're blessed i mean we have i mean herm's been to a couple of games we have Gavin, we have Dara. I mean, our photographers, they, they handle a, a lot of the work. And it's, I mean, I have too many photos of myself to post on Instagram and I'd like a little better results so I can brag about our team a little bit more on social media. But I mean, we've stressed it since day one of this podcast. The first thing you should do is hire a coach. The second thing you should do is find a team photographer because it makes all the difference. Back to the action at the game. What, what were some interesting things that you saw? I know the UNLV winning was a huge thing and anytime liberty gets taken down people seem to love it and, and unlv is i call i kept calling them america's team in the comments because they did, i mean they got flandy who's such a character and uh i mean th those guys just seem like beauties man nick flanders took to the camera just so so quickly that was a fun fun team to shoot they are lively full of energy positive and they kick ass on the ice. In my humble opinion, they deserve to go up more than one spot after the weekend that they had. Just for the individuals that aren't aware, they knocked off, at the time, number six, Adrian. They handed Minot their first loss of the season and then beat Liberty all in the same weekend in two time zones away. And they beat them in three days. It wasn't like in consecutive weekends. Like It was back to back to back, which is almost just as impressive. Yeah, it's nuts what they were able to accomplish, and I felt that the computer rankings really, really did them dirty. I fully believe, and I hesitate to mention this because of what we did in terms of jinxing Stony Brook that one weekend, but UNLV is a legit team. Yeah, the interesting part for me, I think, was too, I mean, like, Stony Brook handled us, but when Stony Brook beat us, they dropped four points in the rankings. They went from five to nine, and then Stony Brook beat drexel and then got upset by drexel and only dropped one a stony brook sweep dropped them four points in the rankings and then them splitting with drexel dropped them one like how i don't know man. no no one's ever gonna figure it out i don't know we've talked about this ad nauseum the fact that the computer rankings just make our heads spin at this point like no one wants to do the job and Boy, does the computer not get it right some weeks. Speaking of rankings, there's a lot of talk about the teams out west in Division Two. I know Weber State felt like they should be a little higher up in the rankings than they were. But, I mean, talk about the Chicago Classic. What a great tournament we have in Division One now. And I hope Joe Caprio and, and the staff at Illinois continue to do this because I think it's great exposure for the ACHA. Let's get some of the top teams of the country playing against each other. And right before Thanksgiving break seems like the perfect time to do that. There's been a tournament going out going on out west for a couple of years now but that's the beehive classic out in utah and it, it seems like all these teams in division two just travel to utah for the weekend and, and all those rinks because of the salt lake city games for many many years ago they have all these rinks out in utah and it sounds like they just played all of them i think some teams were playing three four games on the weekend um seems like a great event i'm not sure what team hosts this uh, but it was pretty cool to see uh, just as good action out west in Utah. Unlike the t the, the showcase in Chicago, which had a champion, I I'm pretty sure the Beehive just had round robin and teams playing against each other. We did get the blowout of the week, though. However, Wilson State defeated Utah Valley 19 to nothing. Not sure if I can confirm this or not, but I think Utah Valley is done wearing the practice jerseys. I think I saw some photos of them wearing the whites. Herm is going to double check this while we wait, but I I. Thought I saw some pictures of Utah Valley wearing white jerseys with some stripes and not the basic uh, practice jerseys that we've been so accustomed to seeing them wear so far this season. Some solid looking Rebirth Sports jerseys. All right. So it sounds like Utah Valley was in a similar state like we talked about, uh, you know, teams getting jerseys delayed, apparel delayed, equipment delayed. So glad to see them finally wearing, wearing some real uniforms. On my drive back to uh, New Hampshire, I pulled over to get some lunch and, and fuel up with some Taco Bell, my classic meal, the, the, chicken and cheese quesadilla with Doritos Locos Taco and a Baja Blast. As I pulled over and devoured at the halfway point home, we got the alert that there was some breaking news in the ACHA. We had been tipped off. We knew this was coming. We just didn't quite know when this news was going to come. But it was Monday afternoon that the news broke that the College of New Jersey, Oregon, San Diego State, and Purdue Northwest would be making the jump from Division II ACHA 
to Division One ACHA. Really cool to see. I know we had talked to, to some members of the league, and, and we knew that there were some teams that were going to make the jump, and it, it's good to see them get some approval. This isn't even on our notes, but I'm going to chuck this out there impromptu. Murph, who do you think is going to have the most success in D1 out of those teams next season? So I'm glad you brought that up because I was hoping we would segue into this. But I mean, I think Oregon right off the bat stands out to me. I think that was a team that I at least had on my radar for making the jump because they're playing so many Division One teams in their schedule right now. I know the College of New Jersey is joining the Nestle here with Niagara and Buffalo and Oswego and RIT. I don't know how well they'll do. I mean, based on the guys we've talked to in Division Two, it sounds like they have a long ways to go if they want to compete at Division One. But I mean, good to see San Diego State too. My only thing is, is, is uh, travel for those teams out west, San Diego, St. Oregon. It's going to be a lot of travel for them. So I hope they could take advantage of maybe playing some you know, showcases or, or whatnot where they, they can play multiple teams in the same location. And then sounds like Purdue Northwest, that's a team I don't really know a lot about. But the ACHA was pretty prominent on talking about expanding their footprint across the United States. And I think they did so. Uh, with these four new additions. But I think Oregon is my pick. Best looking team by far of, of these four. Uh, I think the biggest brand to really grow off of. They're a step ahead of the other three. Speaking of ACHA Division II schools, we had the opportunity to talk to head coach Jeff German and goaltender John Svetson of Denison University. Denison competes at ACHA Division II. The guys came on and gave us a unique perspective of, of a coach and a captain and that whole dynamic and how their team has grown tremendously over the past couple seasons. So we'll throw it over to those guys now. We're pleased to be joined this week by Denison University head coach Jeff German and goaltender John Svensson. Guys, welcome to the Hockey House. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Great to be here. Yeah, we're, we're pumped to have you guys on. I know Coach German, I, you're pretty active on Twitter. It's good to see when when coaches support their program on social media and are, are actively promoting the ACHA. So that's kind of you've been on our radar for a while now. And John, we're, we're excited to have you on and kind of give the perspective as a player from Denison. Yeah, I like to, to get out there and, uh, you know, make sure people understand the quality of hockey there is in the ACHA. Yeah, it's been great to see the transition from, you know, our freshman year to now. You know, we still have a lot of work to do, but we've come a long way. I mean, I remember our first game at Louisville. They probably posted over 70 shots, and I don't think we saw the puck pass their far blue line the whole game. And starting their year off good, I mean, we've had our, our rough points, but I mean, a lot better from where we were. It's been great to see that. Awesome. Before we get things started, just a little background on you guys. Coach Sherman, if you want to start us off here, kind of what led you to being behind the bench at Denison? Initially, I was a high school coach in the, the local program. It's funny because it was like a one ad kind of hanging up in the rink. And I'm like, I don't want that job. The old rink manager's like, you really need to try to get this program, you know, on its feet. I talked to my uh, assistant coach who, you know, he's my best friend and, you know, we're, we're always coaching together. And I said, I don't know, what do you think? He's like, yeah, we, we might be able to pull it off, you know. I went and interviewed and I interviewed poorly on purpose with, you know, sort of like, you know, the angle of attack. Like, I want to do this my way and turn the program around. And if I can't have it my way and they're like, fine, here's the job. So that was uh, seven years ago basically. So I didn't expect to get it, nor did I want it, but here I am. Johnny, what was your kind of background of hockey growing up and, and what led you to end up playing at Denison? Yeah. So, you know, I grew up in Massachusetts. I played years, you know, AAA hockey. I played minimum flames. I played NEHL up there. Then I went to Tabor Academy in Massachusetts. We played in U.S. Prep in an independent school league. So that was really good hockey. You know, I didn't really play a whole lot there. Um, some really good players. I made Varsity my senior year. I mean, everyone who makes varsity at a school like that can play hockey. After that, I was just trying to go to a school. Um, I saw Denison at a club team, reached out to Coach German, and it's been great. It's been so fun. Um, It's been great going from not one of the better guys in the team and really being able to contribute to something uh, Denison. So it's it's been a, a really rewarding experience. and. It's been awesome. We ask this question with every guest that, that joins the show. And Coach Sherman, I'm sure you have an interesting one coming from the transition as a high school coach to an ACHA coach. But what was your welcome to the ACHA moment where you were kind of like, oh, wow, like this is uh, this is college hockey. So when we first joined the league, we weren't even in the ACHA. Like we were playing for the NCH something. I don't even know what it was. It was, it was some bastard league uh, that was out there at the time. You know, I didn't know anything about club hockey. I'm, I'll be completely honest. I mean, I, I played a little bit when I first moved to Columbus in like 89. I had no idea what it was all about. So I, I got a hold of, of Dave Fryer uh, of the ACHA. He was a division three commissioner. I'm like, Hey, I have this team. <laughs> it's, it's made up of about 10 guys from Denison and then some like 
OSU Newark players and some just cobble together team so we could just play some hockey. And he's like, yeah, so come on out. So we were like this hooligan. I don't know. We were allowed in the ACHA, but we couldn't compete for any sort of rankings or anything, but we could play. And he allowed us to have like a certain percentage of our players be non-Denison for one year only. So I remember we took that team of misfits up and played Fredonia at the time. They were still in the ACHA before they jumped over to the CHF. And that was our first year and we uh, that we were like a sort of legit team with real uniforms and stuff. And we beat that team 5-2 to two in an outdoor game. There's still smoldering fires in the hotel room, I think, from uh, like we were asked to never come back. It was like one of those moments of hockey history, I'll, and I'll never forget that. And we just went to Buffalo to play Clarkson. And we stayed at the same hotel. And I had the big powwow with the boys. I'm like, listen, tight room curfews. Everybody make your bed before you leave. Like, it was like a big deal, like, to make sure that we didn't repeat history. So that is a really sort of my welcome to the ACHA kind of moment there. That first season kind of sounds like the ACHA's version of the Mighty Ducks. It was 100% the Mighty Ducks. Like, we we had some really good players. And then we had some guys that were... uh, Guys that have never played hockey even. Like, this guy was a swimmer, decided he didn't want to, you know, Denison's known for its swimming program, didn't want to be a swimmer anymore because he was from Minnesota and wanted to play hockey. I'm like, great, go, you know, as long as you can stand up, get out there. Like, we would have taken anybody. As long as there was a heartbeat and you were able to give me 45 seconds, I would have taken you. It didn't matter at that time. A little more particular these days. Johnny, once you got in the crease there at Denison and had the, the jersey on, what was your welcome to the ACHA moment? I'd probably say that first game against Louisville. I mean, I didn't really know what to expect. You go in there, that place is packed, people screaming, bad things, I don't stuff I shouldn't repeat. And it was just fun. I mean, we got killed that game, but the atmosphere, this is fun stuff. So I was like, oh, I guess this is what it's, ab- what it's about. And I mean, can't complain. I mean, I sat a lot, saw a lot of bench on in high school. So just getting into the net was great. And it's been uphill from there. I mean, we had some great games that first year, played Kentucky, Midnight Madness going down there. That was wild. I have never seen so many people at a club hockey game since then either i mean how they packed that place is just great johnny's first year was the first year that we went from division three to division two so in our division three year we played in the che and and we just kind of ran right through the che the year i decided to petition to go division two we were accepted immediately the whole team was like are you nuts like we're gonna get killed i'm like whatever we're gonna get killed so i remember calling john he was still uh i think he had you know we had verbal commitments but like you know, the deadline, the May 15th there, whatever deadline wasn't there yet. So I wasn't sure John was coming. I said, hey, we're going up a division two. It's going to be a rocky road. He's like, hey, man, bring it on. And so then I talked to him after that Louisville game. I'm like, he's still, he's still okay with your decision to come here because this is going to be a tough year. And he probably faced a thousand shots that year. I mean, I'm not even exaggerating easily a thousand shots that year. Just on that point, we've gained so much talent since then. I mean, Oliver Janeiro, one of our captains, he is just he just tears this league up. You agree with that, Coach German? He's a good player. I mean, we've added some great players that have really put us, you know, a step above where we were, you know, my freshman year, which was the year before COVID. So we're on the right path and keep going this this year. Or, or we had a good start, a couple of bumps, but any team's going to have those. So going forward, it's going to be great. And you got, you got anything out of that, Coach? The year that uh, we went into Division Two, the year before was the first year that I started recruiting. I didn't even know that was a thing. You know, I just started, you know, realizing what our other teams do. And I started to recruiting and slowly started to get players to come in that were really good players. You know, they were just, you know, before it was, I didn't have any sort of a way to gauge uh, the type of player I needed. I guess we, we are a junior now, right? So that first year, Division Two, big learning experience. The only games we won were against Division Three teams. So I don't even know what our record was. We were 0-20 probably against Division Two teams that year. As a result, I've already was backfilling and I kept telling them, guys, I got guys coming in. They're going to be good players. Just wait. So I had a, my team put together for previous year. That was looking good. We had some really good gains there that are on the team this year. When we didn't play, that probably, in some ways, is it probably helped us. You know, several players went gap year and went to juniors. It got better and came back. Other players went to juniors and got picked up by other teams. And then now they're transferring back, which is interesting. I just locked in a transfer of someone that I had recruited sent to juniors then he went division three ncaa and then has now coming back to denison we're exponentially getting better like so we're 0 and 20 and then this year we had the phenomenal start i just was looking at the rankings like we just missed top 20 by one position we were 21st in the rankings so like 
you know, in the southeast. And that's a, a heavy hitting district there with, you know, all of the TSCHL teams. So that was kind of initially our big push, right, John, was to get into the T and try to sustain that. Put it in perspective, Ohio State, Michigan, Bowling Green, you know, all of those colleges, giant universities, and then there's Denison with 2,300 students throughout, the, you know. So like, it's going to take a sustained, constant recruiting effort to maintain this level that we're at right now. And so that is really what I have the plate spinning. I just have to figure out how to keep them on the on the straw. So that's kind of where I am right now. feel really good about where we're going. We've already gotten better just since September, not just with this group, but with the group I have coming in and a couple of transfers. So like, I think that, you know, our trajectory is, you know, it's an optimistic future for us. Well, I'll turn things over here to, to Fitz at this point. Let's dive a little bit more into Denison as a, as a program and kind of looking at the outline of, of what it looks like to people on the outside who maybe don't know a lot about the team. Yeah, thanks for joining us again tonight, guys. Really happy to have you. John, I'll, I'll start with you. Just talk a little bit more about the program, just like what the current state uh, of the program is in general. We always joke around that sometimes people on the campus don't even know you have a hockey team. So what's going on with the current state of the program? Yeah, I mean, first off, I think what has really helped us, we have a great alumni base that have done so much for us the past few years, fundraising. You know, a big draw to Denison, I don't know if it's true for all club teams, is, you know, it's free to play. We're playing 25 games a year, close to 30, three practices a week, buses, hotels, completely paid for. And that's through, you know, the school and the alumni. So that's been great. Um, I think our presence on campus has definitely grown, especially this last year. We used to get people out to the games, but um, we did a couple of jersey give giveaways at the beginning of the year and that, you know, really got the the rink pack packing i mean it's small small rink in ohio you get a lot of people in there it gets pretty loud so it, it's pretty it's been pretty fun doing that i think the biggest change for us has been our team culture you know you can't show up and play some of these really good teams in d2 and you got to be ready to play like there's would you agree with that coach german it's just that culture needed the change and that's really been the biggest thing for us this year so yeah i think you're right johnny and you know you really brought that change of culture on i mean as a captain but we're still not there yet there's still a little bit of the old guard mentality so that you know that's going to take some time to sort of breed out as new people come into the fold we're still fighting the club sport mentality we do get great support from the alumni and we get great support from the the college the club dcga as well as the athletic department they sort of look at us like a a varsity club program. So uh, I'll say it's slowly becoming uh, like, you know, a varsity option for hockey. Like, yes, we do have a hockey team. It's just not quite on the athletics page yet. You know, it's not like an NAIA school, but it, it is very much, you know, like being our, our president, um, Adam Weinberg, um, is a big supporter of our program and his nephews are the Hughes boys, Quinn and Jack and Luke. So he knows hockey. He played at Bowdoin and he wants this to be a great program. And we're really lucky to have that. One thing to go on top of that is we have a great locker room. Um, coach German has a good story about this. Um, he asked, I believe the Xavier coach at the time or someone involved with Xavier, what do I need to do to you know build this program? And he told him, if you build a locker room, people will come. I think that worked. I mean, we have a great locker room, stalls. It looks like a NCAA locker room. It's great. So, uh, and he has some stories about we used to have a trailer and guys would be going out <laughs> at a practice and they'd have to bring their gear to their bathroom to dry it out and or unfreeze it from the from it being outside in 20 degree weather. It'd be frozen. So, and that's what five years ago. So five years ago <laughs> from that, we have a great locker room. Who knows what's gonna happen five years from now? So. And that came from a contribution from our alumni and also Denison's Athletic. You know, they, they stepped up and paid, I don't know, 80000 bucks or something to put that addition on to the ring. They feel invested. You know, this year we put up a Hockey Hall of Fame for Denison. Every two years we'll be adding names to that. So it's been great to see the program sort of resurge. And the credit goes to the, every member of the team. You know, guys like John, like, you know, we're always talking about ways of making the program better. When we're putting the sweaters on, you know, all the boys, you know, yeah, we work on hockey and systems and all of that, X's and O's, but to us, the larger extent is how does this program look 10 years from now? And what are we doing to make sure that this gets solidified? We're playing hockey, we're having fun, but there's potential here for this team to, you know, be really good in Division Two within the coming years and eventually, hopefully, Division One. So building towards that is our goal. Um, I think we've made great strides. I mean, there's a lot of work 
that needs to be done, but there's so much potential here. It's a special place, Denison, um, with the school size. You know, we're going to play some big schools. It's it's great atmosphere, and it's been great so far. I'd say too, the, the new jerseys are sharp. The gray ones, are, those are new, right? Yeah, we got those this year, so we had some extra budget money last year because the COVID. We needed to spend the money, so we figured, why not new jerseys? They came out great. We kept the old whites and we got new reds and grays. So we have three jerseys now. Oh, you mentioned you guys would play big schools like Bowling Green and Ohio. Have you been able to develop any big rivalries since switching to D2? I don't know what you think, Johnny. I mean, there's some rivalries for sure. I think it's just burning hatred for some teams. But like I could tell you right now, I think that the rivalry now between us and Dayton is for real because they kind of shaded us a little bit. So we're ready to go back at those boys again. Beat them one time, but... We don't want to air our dirty laundry out here in front of the millions of listeners that we have. We just got the business done that night. We did what we needed to do. Xavier's another good rivalry. And that only because I have a lot of respect for Xavier's program. It's a school, at, at least a small school, in relation to the TSCHL, which is all enormous schools. It's also, like Miami and Denison, it's tough to get into that school. I think that's a good, it's always like a bellwether. Maybe it's not so much a... I don't know, a rivalry as it is. How do we do against Xavier? Because that's like somebody that I feel like it's an even, you know, they don't have 100 kids showing up to tryouts <laughs> like Miami and Ohio State does. I think that's an interesting dynamic that you guys talk about being the only kind of small Division three school in, in terms of athletics too and, and funding. I think it's interesting to look at because, you know, the, the, the Michigans and the Miamis, they already have varsity teams on campus where you guys have a unique opportunity at Denison where you really – building the foundation for maybe the potential for them to go division three someday and compete. I think the locker room is great. And Johnny, I want to compliment you. I'm not a goalie, but I do appreciate a good setup. And I think the, the brown pillows look great. Yeah. I mean, uh, I've always had the brown pads. I think I've had them probably now for 10 years. I figured what, what could be a cool way? Cause you know, when you're younger, you're switching around teams, you know, people usually have white pads. I mean, brown, you can pretty much wear anything with them. So I, I thought it would be a good thing. And I've had them ever since. And it doesn't matter how I play, I always get a compliment. So it's always nice walking off the ice because someone always has something great to say about them. And not only that, you're also the captain. We always love to see a good goalie captain. Yeah, uh, it's been great this year. I mean, Joey Hallman, Oliver Janu, Michael Goldman, Trevor Seitz, they've done so much for the program um, on and off the ice. I, I just can't commend how well this leadership on the team have pushed this team forward. Um, it's been great. I think for the First time, there's a sense of pride that we, we never really had. Even when we were winning like crazy as a Division three team, there wasn't this sense of pride. That was just a bunch of like crazy party hounds, frat boys that were out playing hockey. Like this feels like a real hockey team. And no disrespect to those guys. That that's just was, you know, what we inherited. Johnny touched on it earlier when, when, you know, when he talked about the culture changing, because I could put my finger on the point in the season when we turned around, because we were heading down another one of those. I mean, we had a good preseason tournament, North Carolina. We came back here, played some pretty good games. Not great, but we actually went to Xavier and just, we shit the bed. And it was just embarrassing. And I had lost my mind. And like, at some point I turned to the captains, I go, there's nothing here I can coach. I can't coach our way out of this. This isn't something I can do. Johnny said to me, you know, on the bus ride home, he came up, you know, he's like, listen, we're meeting tomorrow before the game. We had to play him again at home. We're meeting before the game. You're not welcome to be in the room. I'll text you when you can come in. I don't know what happened in there, but I feel like whatever happened in there changed the dynamic of the team. And it still remains changed uh, where people are holding each other accountable like it would be if this were a good junior team. Do you know what I mean? Like this is that sort of level now. Everybody, every shift, you know, there's no whining. Everybody shows up for 630 in the morning for practice. And that was the change of things. Yeah, I think going off that point, I mean, a lot of us, we used to go into games. There was no shot of us winning. We used to put our hearts out there. I mean, we're playing, we have three lines, 4D. We're going against a full full roster and just get hammered. And we weren't going to let that happen. You know, when we have a team that can compete and beat these teams, um, we weren't going to go back to that same way. Something to be said, and, and it was changed. So it was a good turning point for the for the year and the season. I mean, from there on, I think we, we won 10 straight, I believe. So We've gotten a lot of background on, on Denison. Clearly a, a program on the rise in, in Division Two and, and going upwards with a lot of potential here. But let's kind of dive into the, the stuff off ice. Like, what are the guys like in the locker room? Who's getting the boys fired up for game days? Who's setting the tone when you guys are hitting the ice? Yeah, probably Joey Bumps, we call him. Uh, senior. 
from California. Actually just started playing for us last year during the COVID year, and he's been a great addition. What a good hockey player. Great guy. He's crazy. I've never played with a guy like that. Always happy, always smiling, ready to run through a door for anyone. So it's been great having him, that energy. I have to give him credit. You know, I can't, he won't let me bench him. I have to like bar him from the rink. That's the kind of warrior he is. He'll go out there and then you just, you'd be watching the play and then you, you look back and you just hear like a, a weird scream and he's hobbling back to the bench and then 30 seconds later, he's ready to go back out. So it's, it's great having warriors like that, especially at a small school. Everyone needs to be, you know, playing through pain because we don't have anyone else to fill their spot, you know? Goldie, Michael Goldman is one of the captains. He's a senior. I think he really does a good job. He's always been vocal. Him and Joey and, and there's just, you know, and there's some freshmen, honestly, Nick Salerno, people follow him. He's a leader. You know, we really look to him for, for leadership. I think, you know, you just go down the locker room. Like, there's there's guys that they come ready to play, and it's impressive, you know. There's a senior, a, an accomplished golfer uh, with Denison Varsity, so I only get him for middle of November until uh, and into the second semester. But Ben Sherm, Sherman is the most coachable kid, you know, and he's one of those boys that when his, he goes over the boards, man, he, he does all his talking with his effort. And that really fires people up it really does and you know and like i always tell them like there's three things right you know a goal a good hit a block shot like those are the things that get your team going and that's what we look for and all the boys that contribute and in johnny's case he doesn't want to toot his own horn he's not a rah-rah guy really so much in the locker room but he's a phenomenal goaltender and i would argue probably one of the best in division two we're lucky to have him sometimes the boys on the bench just can't believe what they're seeing like you want to talk about getting fired up when it's a three on oh and and he some ridiculous way goes post to post and flies like superman and shuts him down I mean, that'll get a team going. I know he won't talk about himself, but he should. I think we have, you know, Brennan, we have some great, great goaltenders. Our whole goaltending might be one of the best in D2. I mean, our stats might not be the best. You have some not the best nights here and there. But I mean, when people are on, they're they're playing, keeping everyone in it. So it's been great to see, you know, some of the freshmen really get involved. The future's bright. Are there any unique uh, traditions or superstitious things that go on at Denison? I know at Indiana, like we would uh, sing the fight song in the locker room if we got a sweep. Um, is there anything like that at Denison? I mean, you know, we play that song after every win. Oh, yeah. Out. What's the Islanders win song there? Got to yeah. get right back from you started from if we win. Yeah. That's the win song. It's a good one. We're nuts and bolts, guys. I don't spend a lot of time in the room. I'm an old man, so I don't hang out with the boys all that much. But, you know. Should we talk about Kathy? <laughs> the bus driver? We yeah. should. Yeah, but... Give Kathy a shout <laughs> hey, out. This is a good story. Yeah, we got a, a crazy, great bus driver, Kathy. We had a, a great experience uh, from coming back from, went down to North Carolina, and we won our first D2 game on a Sunday against Elon, which was great. That's another story in itself. I don't know if you want to go, if we want to go into that, Coach, but. Let's keep rolling. I want to hear these stories. Right, okay. we, we we could talk locker rooms and, and, and recruits all day. We want to hear the yeah. stories behind these trips. So let's go for it. So we play UNC Friday night. What a team. I mean, I think we put the first two goals on them and we were like, oh, wow, we, we can hang with these teams. So that was fun. But what a team they had. Um, I think they got the best of us um, at the end, but that was fun. We went, played high point. I think we lost them in OT. That was another good game. We wake up Sunday morning. One of our freshmen thought he had appendicitis, I think. Was that what it was? Yeah. He, he was really in pain. And we're like, oh, man, like, are we going to have to, like, can we play? We don't, because our assistant coach, Josh, his wife is expecting a baby. So he can't really, you know, travel too far. So it was just Coach German with us. So he's, uh, he had to take him to the hospital. So he was there all day at the hospital. So we didn't have a coach. So we brought three goalies. So I played Friday night. And, and so I had to coach the game. And we had, we didn't have an ACHA coach. So we had the UNC coach. I don't know what his name is. I think Jeff Vogel, I think his name is. Yeah, he's like a big deal because he yeah, won he like a thousand games in the ACHA. He was on the, well, I had to have a, by the rules, there had to be an ACHA coach on the bench. So like I called the Elon guy, I, go, I don't know what you want to do if you want us to forfeit this game or not, you know, because like I got to go to the hospital with this kid. And then I put Johnny behind the bench. Yeah. So we're down like five nothing after the first four nothing, maybe. I don't know, something like that. We go somehow in the second, you know, Oliver Janew, I think he had, he as a defenseman, had four goals and four assists that game. And we came back and went to eight, seven. First D2 win, coaches in the hospital. I guess I'm just one to know for coaching. So you're actually the, the winningest coach in uh, Denison history. Yeah. And then on the bus ride home, this is where Kathy gets tied in. We're in like the mountains of West Virginia on some like hairpin turn. We just see smoke and the bus stops. 
we're on like the side of the road. She's freaking out in the side and we thought we were all done for. I don't know. We, we kept stopping what, every 30 miles and somehow we managed to get home. So that that Sunday with him in the hospital and us somehow coming back from a six goal deficit to win and breaking down on the way home on middle of West Virginia, it was, it was something I'll, I'll remember for sure. She picked a bad week to stop smoking darts. Yeah. She's like, I need a dart. And I was like, Kathy, go smoke a dart. We got to get home. We got to class tomorrow. So that's awesome. I, I'm, and I'm sure everyone is going to remember that weekend for the rest of their lives and tell their, their kids and their grandkids about that one. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. You talk about playing in the T. Let's go a little bit more into that one. I mean, there are a lot of great places to play in the league. You want to talk about, we already mentioned Louisville, but going down to Kentucky too, like a lot of good barns and lots of good competition in the league. Louisville, Kentucky was always really fun to play against. Played Clarkson in an outdoor game. I don't know if that was considered a barn, but that was super fun to um, play. There was a good environment from the local town kids because one of our players, Noah DiFilippo, he was like, I don't know, high school here or there. Seemed like every all the kids loved them so that was that was cool to see those southern teams really packed their barns i must say i think the atmosphere is great but it's tough going spending five hours in the bus getting there and playing a 12 a.m game and then getting back at like 8 a.m the next morning it's, it's a grind but it's a good atmosphere for sure good atmosphere scheduling nightmare we'll call it that yeah 100 and they're not in a big hurry to come to you being part of the t has been a goal of mine you know as our team gets better and we we move along and i mean now that they brought michigan in I'm not so sure they're looking to add anymore. But that was kind of really was a big deal. I think it was also a kind of a, a focus of a, a team I have mutual respect for is Akron. We play them every year. They're good guys. The coaches are nice guys and stuff. And I think we kind of all have our eye on the tee. But I think right now when you think about it, and John and I disagree a little bit on this, I'm not so sure I'm being a big hurry to, to join the tee at this point. I want to be in the tee. And I think I would probably, I guess, lean that way. But, you know, being independent, there's something to be said for that and with the new rankings i mean you still have a chance if you're a strong independent team and can play a strong independent look at cincinnati they blew us out of the barn on saturday our last game and they were fantastic they had four lines i couldn't tell which was the fourth line it was just a really good team and we were short and injured on our best day we could give them a better game i'm not so sure that outcome would be much different but like they're independent i think that that says something like if i want to go and play john carroll and you know that's a d1 program like if, if i want to experiment around if is the t really where it's a best fit for denison can we really honestly say we can compete against the ohio states and miamis of the world ultimately want to get to the point where i can find a way to get to the national championship whether it be final four or whatever if i can't do that then i think it's better to look at the goal to be this program to go division one where we're competing against Toledo, West Virginia, OU, those programs that Kent State, you know, those programs I feel like if we make the commitment to go D1, that's as high as Denison will ever go. I don't see that it could go at NCAA. There's nobody to play. It's just not a sustainable league. It's too much travel. D1 would be perfect because you'd get the level of athlete that we needed to be a varsity like the athletic department could sort of endorse that a little bit more. feel like we might be able to get another sheet of ice built. So that may be a more plausible next step for this program i would welcome an invitation to the t but it would be something that what i would have to talk to leadership and to see if we could debate whether or not it's the right move it's a yeah. great league but it may not be great for a school of 2300 yeah i think the t i give them credit they have made something you know really special especially in ohio and the in the their surrounding states. They really create an atmosphere in a league that, you know, it's competitive. I mean, I think it'd be good for Dennis. I know me and Coach German disagree on this a little bit. I think it would give us a little bit more recognition with the school, playing league games. You're fighting for that championship. It's a little bit different from that national championship. I think it would add another aspect that would be great. I give them credit. That's what they do. Their social media is great. How they are able to play for something other than that national championship, I think that's that's really special and they've done a really good job of that. Tim Driscoll, who is the commissioner right now, he and I have been changing voicemails the last three days. One thing I think we want to discuss is the small school versus a uh, big school or small school division, large school division, and then maybe you could cross over a little bit, but I think it's worth at least calling out how do we get this to where it's more feasible. There's two things that, you know, everyone talks about. There's the liberties and the, you know, you marries of the world where it's fully funded, right? The school is funding it like a varsity sport. Then there's everybody else 
pretty much. But how a program like Denison competes in a worldwide landscape or whatever you want to call it, in the national landscape with the T is something I have to figure out. I hopefully a good conversation. Uh, and I actually want to see if the ACHA would be interested in talking about separating into school sizes a little bit and seeing how those would, you know, I just don't know. We're just here in the middle of Ohio where there's nothing but giant universities all around us. So it's hard for us to figure out. It would be fun to play for something, though. John is right. I think if they knocked on my door and said, welcome to the T, I would say, great, where do I sign? To be truthful. But it's at least worth a step back to debate. I think it's an interesting point, too, with the news that broke today with the four teams making the jump from Division Two to Division One ACHA. I mean, a lot of the talk is, is logistically, location-wise, how do those teams fit in? I think the College of New Jersey is a perfect fit playing in the NECHL, but how are teams like San Diego State and Oregon going to make it work? There's going to be a lot of travel for those teams but i think denison perfect situation like you said there's a lot of those teams in the midwest in division one acha i think that would be a, a perfect fit down the road yeah i agree you know what will have to happen and it's it's an easy enough thing i'm not saying we would be successful right away and i really thank the guys from john carroll have been great talking to me about this they even take a game with us they've been you know he's really great about talking about how we can do this i think division one would be something that maybe the school would love to see I don't know. I'm speculating completely. I think us as a class or as a team and Coach German, I think we got a lot to prove in, you know, D2 and we want to do that. We want to, you know, we want to prove ourselves in D2 and then, you know, make that jump. I think, you know, the end of this year and I think next year is really going to be like, it's been, it's going to be huge for us. I mean, going forward, given what's happened in three years since I've been here, you give that another three years, I, I could see this team making that jump in the foreseeable future. So I agree. My, my goal would be five years. Is there anything uh, we, we haven't brought up that you guys want to mention, uh, you know, about Dennis and hockey or maybe some of the guys on the team or any funny memories before we, we start to wrap this up? Yeah, we need to be funnier. Come on, John. Think of something funny. We're not very funny. We're all somber and like word, blah. We got to keep going. Nose to the grindstone. It's not that way at all. It's a fun program, damn it. I can tell a pretty funny story from Kentucky. So we're going down there. We're probably pretty short. Some guys didn't want to go. They got in the bus and had a fit about coming because like we're playing a 12 a.m. game. So they were like, all right, get off. They didn't come. We're short. We get there. We stop before the game and everyone's at the giant eagle down there eating like weird stuff like fried chicken. We get in the locker room. Some kid is like super sick. And he's like, we're like, what did you eat? He's like, I ate a block of cheese. We're like, what? I remember it all too well. What an idiot. And then we have like a bunch of guys not playing because they're not feeling good. And then we get into a bench brawl with them after. (laughs) It was just a wild night. Kentucky. I think that's why you have a bad sentiment about going down there, but I must give him credit. Yeah. And then we had one player. It was really funny that, um, he didn't have his gear, but we happened to throw on an extra set of, like, he forgot his gear. And he, had, and he happened to have uh, another set that I always take this, like, if there's someone missing, take their gear. Because you don't know what, you know, what they're going to. So <laughs> this guy, this guy had a roller bag. He came rolling, you know, in with his roller bag, like, right through the whole Kentucky team all the way down. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, pick your bag up and put it over your shoulder. And he's like, no, man, I don't get to roll my bag very often. And then he didn't have skates and he had to go get, like, rentals. Like, it was, it just was a bad scene that game at kentucky was a bad bad nightmare i'll give them credit they've built something really special down there what they have you know with how many people they get in there every night there's a lot of people behind the scenes that have done some great stuff for that program that's the kind of stuff that makes you know club hockey really fun you know going down to schools like kentucky and seeing a full crowd like you don't really get that experience in a lot of places so it's kind of eye-opening that people want to see this kind of hockey like you go down to places like that there isn't a lot of hockey kentucky's the team to be around there so that was a cool experience john i think this might be a good way to close it talk about your experiences but you talked a lot about your playing time in prep school and not cracking varsity until you were senior just because that's how competitive prep school hockey is in the northeast and i think a lot of people would look at that situation and be like oh like my teammates are going d1 d3 but you know i'm just going to hang it up afterwards but i think that's acha provides so many more opportunities for guys to continue playing hockey at the college level you know i give them so much credit for that as we know College hockey is one of the harder college sports to play, juniors, etc. You know, a lot of guys don't want to play juniors. If you don't want to play juniors, come play D2 ACHA and you're going to have a blast, meet some of the best people of your life. It's been a great opportunity for me to go from a great pro- program with great players that, you know, are going to play, you know, NCAA college hockey. But it's been great for me to come in t- into a leadership role and into a, a role where I need to contribute. I give credit to Coach German for giving me the opportunity here, uh, for ACHA for giving me that opportunity. And I think it's a, a really special 
place and a really special league to be part of. Awesome. Well, hey, we thank you guys for coming on and and, and showing us behind the scenes of, of Denison hockey. We wish you guys nothing but the best of luck the rest of the way. And we'll be sure to keep our eyes on you guys because it seems like you guys are heading in the right direction. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Once again, thanks to Johnny and Coach Sherman for joining the show, giving us a cool perspective on Denison. And I, I think it kind of ties into that conversation we had before the break about teams from Division Two looking to join Division One. I. I know he was talking about how it's kind of tough for them to find a conference right now, and they would almost be better joining Division One because there's so many teams in that Ohio area. Good to talk to them. And uh, I mean, they have a great locker room too. And I, I know we, we gave Johnny some compliments on his gear setup too. Uh, the old school brown, you can't really go wrong with that look. I'm a fan of it. We were blessed this week to have some Monday night ACHA action. This was pretty cool. Turn on the TV for Monday night football. It's Monday night ACHA. Great broadcast too on YouTube. I wasn't able to watch the UNC broadcast, but I did watch the, the state broadcast. They did a great job on that. Pack TV knocked it out of the park. And then, of course, our boy Zach Selye knocked it out of the park again with an incredible turnaround time on his Ice Pack All Access recap video for the game. And God, does he capture the hype and energy. I talk about Zach on this podcast all the time, but the kid is a wizard when it comes to content like that. Yeah, I mean, I've seen his premiere workspace and like the amount of editing he does. Like, I can't imagine what that video last night looked. I would actually love to see how many hours of sleep he got last night because I'm sure he was up all night making that. Because as a creative, like that window of opportunity, like everybody's so jacked up about the game. If you can post something the next day, that's awesome. But we haven't really mentioned the two teams that played. We had UNC Chapel Hill taking on NC State for the Governor's Cup at PNC Arena. They weren't able to do this game last year because of COVID. It was back in front of a packed house at PNC. I said at least 6,000, right? If you're looking at that, PNC seats about 17,000. They had half of the lower bowl full, so. Our boy Bob DeGemis chimed in with his nice little chirp saying that there is most likely no NCAA D3 team that is going to be able to match that capacity across the entire league for the season. That was a bold statement and one that I'm probably inclined to agree with. Yeah, I mean, Utica College gets 2,000 fans a game at the Utica Auditorium, and like that's not even beating Liberty. So, I, I mean, I, w- I would stand by at Bob's take. I mean, it was really cool to see a heavy NC State crowd with that game being played in Raleigh. PNC Arena shares a parking lot with Carter-Finley Stadium where the Wolfpack play football. And where the Wolfpack came back against the Tar Heels this week in football. So, I mean, the, the sign, somebody had a sign about the football game and they showed on the Jumbotron and everyone went nuts. But a good amount of Chapel Hill students at the game, too, wearing the, the Carolina blue. So that was good to see. And it begs the question I mean, we should be doing this more often, the ACHA. This is a great way to you know show what the ACHA has to offer and especially these rivalry games that people get up for you could have Carolina and State play each other in ping pong and you could get 400 people in there to watch it so Bob brought it up I think more teams should be doing this playing in these bigger arenas for one night only and, and show what the ACHA has and then I want to make sure I preface this with no disrespect to Pac TV whatsoever Murph and I had the conversation that it should have been hosted on a different platform instead of their YouTube channel, we wholeheartedly believe that this game deserved to be on the ACC network. We saw a USF-BC basketball game that is two 500 teams. Like, this would have been a better draw, in our opinion, and a real way to showcase what the ACHA has to offer, as we've been saying, to, to describe this game. Like, would have been perfect, perfect for the two teams, and I hope they maybe try and pursue that in the future. Yeah, I mean, we joke about it all the time at Cuse about playing on the ACC network. If like Pitt came to town, we played on the ACC network for a night. But no, I mean, it's so cool. I mean, that would be like a, a dream scenario for the ACHA to be on the ACC network. I don't know what kind of strings we would have to pull to get that. But I mean, think about it. it like, I mean, that is ACC country down in North Carolina. And if you had those two teams playing on the ACC network at PNC Arena, I mean, people would love it. And it would grow the game of hockey so much. It would grow the game of hockey way more than it would grow 
college basketball between BC and, and UC, uh, USF, right? Yeah, USF. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, that, that would have been great to see that game on the ACC network. But I think it also it begs the question, as I was mentioning, more teams should do this. We saw it earlier in the year with Boise State and BYU doing the Meals for Wheels games uh, where the Idaho Steelheads play in the ECHL. Another ECHL city, we had Cincinnati tagging Xavier in a story post on Instagram saying, hey, maybe we should play a game where, where, where the, the Cyclones play. This weekend, uh, oddly enough, Syracuse were hosting NYU at the War Memorial downtown in Syracuse. So we're pretty fired up for that game. I, I don't think we're going to get quite the attendance that they had down in Raleigh for the, the state game, but we're pretty pumped. I mean, really excited. I think our, our guy, Daniel Walcott, is going to make an appearance at the game, say hi to the boys. Fingers crossed that that goes as planned. That would be awesome for him to stop by, but we're going to face off at 1.30, and then um, the Rochester Americans and the Syracuse Crunch will battle it out on Teddy Bear Toss Night, so it should be a good night for Syracuse hockey fans. You guys handing out flyers on campus for that game or anything like that? I want to know what you guys are doing to pack the ungodly long name arena. Yeah, Upstate Medical University Arena at Onondaga County War Memorial. You know, it's interesting, you know, coming back from Thanksgiving, maybe all the trouble we went through with the block acid earlier, it is really hard to print flyers. So we haven't gone that route. I mean, we're going to hammer social media this week. I'm going to, I got some ideas for maybe some funny commercials on, on social media and TikTok and uh, some poster ideas, uh, maybe talk into some campus shuttles going like who knows what we're gonna do but we're gonna try to do the best we can i know they're also doing a deal uh if you buy a ticket for that night's crunch game and mention syracuse hockey you can get i think the promo code is actually acha promo code acha on crunch tickets and and five dollars comes back to syracuse hockey so should be an awesome night like i said we're gonna try to get as many people we can to go downtown um for for the event but like i said i would love to see this more often in the acha and it begs the question who would you like to see play in a pro arena and I said, why don't we go to the newest pro hockey arena, Key Bank Arena in Seattle? I want to see UW take on Oregon before Oregon moves up to the Division One ranks. I think that would be great. Those two teams faced off at the Kraken practice facility and it drew a pretty good crowd. Oregon handled Washington a pretty good beatdown as well. But I think that game will get a really good crowd, especially because Seattle is so hockey hungry right now. I think it'd be a no brainer to do that game. My pick stays out West additionally. And from the newest ACHA team to the newest named arena usc versus ucla at god i I don't even like saying it crypto.com arena instead of the staple center i think it's right in usc's backyard our boy billy zegris plays on ucla i think it would be a hell of a matchup yeah i think that would be great too gorgeous color matchup too those those both those schools have great uniforms bonus game i want to see a battle of long island between LIU and Stony Brook. I know we saw LIU take on Liberty last season and they got the split down at LaHaye, but I think a battle between Stony Brook and LIU to prove who's the best college hockey team on Long Island would be great. I'm not sure if those two schools are really rivals because they don't play each other. Uh, with LIU. Not sure if those schools are rivals in other sports, but I think that would be a fantastic game played at the new UBS arena. I think it would be great. Great to see that Stony Brook team is good. So let's put them on the, on the big ice. And since Murph went for a bonus East Coast one, I had to throw one in additionally. We've talked extensively about the battle of Philly between Temple and Nova. Glick has gone into deep, deep detail about the hated rivalry between those two teams. And we think a game at the Wells Fargo Center will be a really, really interesting matchup. And with Glick out tonight, as well as Fitz, I guess I'll just throw in this jab, but huge comeback for Cuse men's basketball. They just defeated the the Hoosiers. The Hoosiers were 6-0, and and Cuse is off to kind of a shaky start, but big comeback win at the Dome tonight. Take that one, Fitz. Speaking of Fitz, uh, I mean, he had a tough day today. We're wishing him all the best as he continues to navigate the Federal Prospects Hockey League and life in, in Binghamton, New York. Hopefully he, he gets his car situation figured out. I know he was having some some issues with the tow truck earlier tonight, so uh, we're wishing him all the best. And, uh, of course, Glick is out because he's practicing tonight. Moving on, we've got uh, a lot of games to watch this week. You know, After the hiatus for Thanksgiving break, it seems like we've got some real barn burners going on before we break for Christmas. Game of the week heads to Tucson, Arizona, as Arizona hosts in-state rivals. Arizona State. Speaking of games that draw really big crowds in pro hockey arenas, this is one of those ones. And the Arizona Wildcats share an arena with the Tucson Roadrunners. I'm sure this game will be packed. I believe it is the first
first time these two teams are meeting in Tucson this year. They did play up in Tempe already, but the games in Tucson draw a huge crowd. There was some talk, some chatter in the comment section earlier in this week when we we posted some highlights of the NC State game. One comment in particular said anything other than ACHA Division One is a joke. You Mary is going to put that to the test this weekend when they take on both Jamestown and Minot State. Those games are always really close. You Mary is one of the top teams in Division Two, and they're going to look to prove it against the Division One in-state rivals in North Dakota. Another in-state rival taking place this weekend. We have Pitt and Robert Morris battling it out. Um, that should be an exciting one. Heading over to St. Louis, we've got Lindenwood and Maryville's Division One teams taking on each other. And then another uh, Lindenwood game to watch out for. The Division One women at Lindenwood are taking on Adrian. Those are two teams that are both 11-2, and two, so that should be a fun one to watch out for. Before Herm gets to talk, this is a game that I had circled on my calendar one that I uh, I wanted to watch, but we've got Niagara ranked at 17, traveling to Ohio. I believe the Bobcats are 12 right now. That's correct. So we've got 17 Niagara heading to 12 Ohio, teddy bear toss night. I think the Purple Eagles have a lot to prove, and I think they're coming home with a split this weekend. And I don't even think you might have happened to, to catch this additionally about this specific matchup. This matchup was supposed to have already taken place two years ago. This was the opening round matchup of Nationals that ultimately got canceled. And I know that OU was ready to go in and beat Niagara, and Niagara was ready to shock the world and beat Ohio. So with two years brewing, it's going to be a really, really interesting matchup and a fun night at Bird for the Teddy Bear Toss. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really exciting game, and, and we'll be sure to have all the highlights from that one, and hopefully we get some some highlight reel goals. And, and now do they... They've done the teddy bear toss before at Ohio, right? Yep. I've gotten photos. One of my favorite photos in my time as a bobcat was sprinting from the bird's nest over to the open section of the rink to get Jimmy Thomas cheesing directly into the camera holding up a teddy bear. So yes, they they definitely have before. Who scored the last teddy bear goal for Ohio? That is not, I could not tell you that one. Wow. I'd, I'd have to, I'd have to, I'd have to dig back and think about that. Because that was pre-pandemic. Oh boy, I got to go back into probably point streak and see if I can find the score sheet for that game. Maybe maybe future Herm will edit that in. Who knows? All right, future Herm here. I did the research. The last Bobcat Teddy Bear Toss game was December 14th, 2019 versus Indiana Tech. And good buddy Tom Picorni scored the first goal with 17.52 to play in the first period. The more you know. I know, I can tell you who scored the only teddy bear toss goal in Syracuse hockey history. That would be none other than hockey house guest Ford Hatchet, the one and only teddy bear toss night that Syracuse hockey did. Is there any particular reason that was a, a one and only? Or I don't think it went as as well as they thought it might have gone. I think it sounded like they purchased a lot of teddy bears and then maybe didn't get the crowd they were expecting. Buffalo was in town that night. They scored the first goal of the game. The Buffalo scratches through teddy bears on the ice after the goal. It was a big debacle. So yeah, no, no, that's a great story. Uh, we'll have to have Ford on again and have him tell that that teddy bear toss story. Actually, better yet, we'll have backup goalie Mike Kurek was on the bench for that one, and he has some funny stories from that. So we'll, we'll we'll circle back to the teddy bear toss game at Syracuse. We always talk to our guests and are like, "Do you have footage?" And everyone's like, "No." Murph, do you have footage of this? Oh yeah, we we could dig up the footage. We'll, we'd be more than happy to to find that. But yeah, it, it was funny because <laughs> Buffalo scores and the play by play guys like. And some Buffalo fans have thrown some teddy bears on the ice. Talked about this team earlier about Oregon jumping up to Division One. They are going to face off against Utah this weekend. So another D1 matchup for them. Like I said, this is a team we saw making the jump just because they added so many D1 games to their schedule this year. So that should be an exciting one. Heading over to D3, the defending national champions, Hope College, are taking on Notre Dame. That should be a good battle out in Division III. Um, I just hope the Notre Dame coach doesn't uh, leave the team the night before the big game. Really got to go with the low blow on that one. Holy shit. Uh, low hanging fruit these days. Those college football coaches. Another game I wanted to touch on just because I've got some buddies who play over at Sacred Heart. Sacred Heart in Division 2 is hosting Army. They are doing a suicide prevention charity game this weekend, so I hope that goes well and they're able to raise a lot of funds for a good cause. And then another Division 2 matchup between two powerhouse teams. We got UMass and Florida Gulf Coast facing off again. 
those two teams last met at La Haye when uh, Liberty hosted a, a showcase for some top Division II teams. So those are the games of the week to watch out for. I know I mentioned Army playing Sacred Heart, but next weekend, a game to watch out for. And I know I'm getting ahead of myself calling it the game of the week, but it was announced this week that Army's Division II team is going to face off against Navy's Division I team Friday night, December 10th, inside the American Dream Mall. For those of you who don't know, the American Dream Mall is right outside MetLife Stadium where Army and Navy will be playing football on Saturday. So kind of a pregame for the the football game on Saturday. I know a lot of the SEC schools, they navigate their schedule to make it align with the football schedule. Uh, This should be an exciting one, and I hope it is packed with Army and Navy guys. Getting excited for Saturday's football game by watching some hockey Friday night um, at the mall. So just the one to keep an eye out on the schedule for. I may have to make the drive up for that. That sounds like a really, really good time, and that would be a fun event to photograph. Herm, happy Hanukkah. I wanted want to be the first to wish you. Thank um, you. Yeah, this is you great. Are the first, I, you are the first to wish me a happy Hanukkah, funny enough. Awesome. Well, I mean, I was uh, getting ready. I, I had a Christmas question here, and then it was just me and you tonight, and I was like, how can I ask Herm a Christmas question? That'd be disrespectful. Happy Hanukkah, Herm. W- what's your mindset? Have you had your gifts picked out this year? Are you kind of a last-minute gift shopper? What's the mindset? It's going to be a last-minute gift season for me. Like, Hanukkah snuck up on everyone this year we're getting to that age where you kind of age out of the gifts a little bit so i may have to be the one to pick up the initiative in the family and, and gift around to to get some back but who knows who knows yeah that's tough we, we talked about how exciting thanksgiving is you don't even get a bye week after thanksgiving you're back to back here no you're just straight into it it is, it is a non-stop acha style schedule well i'm gonna try to get on top of it with my christmas gifts this year And uh, there's no better place to get on top of the Christmas gifts this time of year than sellyhockeyco.com. Be sure to check out all their latest hats and their hoodies. It's what the hockey player in your life wants for Christmas. So be sure to check it out, sellyhockeyco.com. Well, Herm, I think that just wraps it about up. I know a couple scratches in the lineup tonight. We battled through it here and uh, looking forward to another exciting weekend of ACHA hockey. Sounds good. Have a great weekend, boys. 